the Old Testament lesson for this evening's service, and which will also serve as the basis for the message this evening, is from Numbers chapter 20. Now there was no water for the congregation, and they assembled themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. And the people quarreled with Moses and said, Would that we had perished when our brothers perished before the Lord. Why have you brought the assembly of the Lord into this wilderness, that we should die here, both we and our cattle? And why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It is no place for grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, and there's no water to drink. Then Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the entrance of the tent of meeting and fell on their faces. And the glory of the Lord appeared to them, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the staff and assemble the congregation, you and Aaron your brother, and tell the rock before their eyes to yield its water. So you shall bring water out of the rock for them and give, give drink to the congregation and to their cattle. And Moses took the staff from before the Lord as he had commanded him. Then Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock. And he said to them, Hear now, you rebels, shall we bring water for you out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and he struck the rock with his staff twice. And water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their livestock. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I invite you to read responsively with me the words of Psalm 105. O oh, give thanks to the Lord, call on his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Remember the wonderful works that he has done, his miracles and the judgments he uttered. He brought Israel out of Egypt, and there was no one in their tribes who stumbled. He spread a cloud for a covering and fire to give them light by night. They asked, and he brought quails and gave them food from heaven in abundance. He opened the rock, and the water gushed out. It flowed through the desert like a river. For he remembered his holy promise, and Abraham his servant. And so he brought his people out with joy, his chosen ones with singing. He gave them the lands of the nations, and they took possession of the wealth of the peoples, that they might keep his statutes and observe his laws Praise the Lord. Please rise for the reading of the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel is according to St. Luke, the 22nd chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. And he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Well, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for this message this evening is the Old Testament lesson that I read to you a few moments ago. 
He who fails to learn from the past is doomed to repeat it. This is certainly true of the people of Israel. They are chronic complainers. In the Old Testament lesson that I read moments ago, the story is told of the Israelites who gather in opposition to Moses and Aaron. If only we had died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord. Why did you bring the Lord's community into this desert? And that we and our livestock should die here? Why did you bring us out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grain, no figs, no grapevines, no pomegranates, and there's no water to drink. Moaning, groaning, whining, and complaining. It sounds vaguely familiar, doesn't it? If we rewind history about 40 years, we find ourselves camped at Rephidim with the 12 tribes of Israel. The people had just been recently liberated from Egypt, and now they're quarreling with Moses. Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and our livestock die of thirst? Give us some water to drink. Moaning, groaning, whining, complaining. Well, the Lord responded by instructing Moses, Take the staff in your hand, the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock, and water will come out of it for the people to drink. And so Moses did exactly what the Lord told him to do. He struck the rock, and water flowed from that rock. The rock of Massa and Meribah as it was called, shouted, The Lord provides. Why do you doubt? For their rebellious ways, the Lord states that those who are 20 years and older will not see the promised land. They will wander in the wilderness for some 40 years, and their bodies will be scattered all over the desert floor. A whole generation will pass away. In Psalm 95, the Lord says, Today, if you hear, this, hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massa in the desert, where your fathers tested and tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years I was angry with that generation, and I said, They are a people whose hearts go astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And now, 40 years later, the next generation is camped in approximately the same geographical area. And the Lord is preparing His people to enter into the promised land when they commit the same sin as did their parents. One would think that they would have learned from the past of seeing their loved ones die while wandering in the wilderness. One would think that instead of being ungrateful for the, for the provisions that God had provided for them, that they would actually be thankful for the fact that God had cared for them for those 40 years. But no, true to form, they moan and they groan and they complain and they whine. Oh, how quick! They are to forget the message of the rock of Massa and Meribah 
The Lord provides. Why do you doubt? And so, once again, the Lord instructs Moses. He says, Take the staff, and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly, and speak to that rock before their eyes, and it will pour out water. But frustrated by 40 years of listening to people whine and fuss and complain about their situation, Moses takes that rod, and he hits the rock, not just once, but twice as opposed to speaking to it as God had instructed him. And water, we're told in our text, gushes forth from that rock, and all the people in the livestock drink. It's as though the rock shouts, the Lord provides. Why do you doubt? For the ancient Hebrews, the image of a rock becomes a sign of God's presence and God's protection and God's providence. For centuries following Exodus, the the people of Israel would talk about and sing about this incident of the rock providing water. For example, in in the psalm that we sang or spoke earlier in this service, it said, He opened the rock and the water gushed out. It flowed through the desert like a river. In Psalm 114, the, the writer says, The Lord turns the rock into a pool of water, the flint into a spring of water. There was even a legend that evolved with time that, that said that the Jews had a movable well that followed them along, alongside of them in the wilderness, shaped like a rock about the size of an oven or a beehive, and that it would accompany the Israelites wherever they went, providing them not only with water but other services as well. Yeah, the image of a rock is one of the Lord's favorite way to describe himself. The image of the rock is not only about a sign of God's immense strength and his abiding protection for his people, but this image of a rock is also a sign of God's boundless mercy and his generous blessings of salvation. The image of a rock assures his people that the Lord provides. You need not doubt. In Psalm 62, the psalmist speaks for all believers. He speaks for you and me when he, when he writes, My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. And again in Psalm 95, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Yes, the Lord provides. You need not doubt. That's the message of the stones of Meribah and Massa. And it's a message that we need to hear too, isn't it? For do we not find ourselves complaining about what we don't have or dissatisfied with what we do have? Do we not find ourselves grumbling about the problems that we have in our life? Do we not even maybe find that we're kind of bored with God's gifts because they're so common and they're so daily? Or do we find ourselves questioning the faithfulness of God because He isn't fulfilling the plans that we have for our life? Or maybe we find ourselves unappreciative of God's salvation, mercy, and protection upon us. Again, something that we've just always kind of taken for granted as His people. Well, frankly, these are sins. These are sins to grumble, complain, to be dissatisfied, to question the faithfulness of God, to be unappreciative of God's blessings. And they could legitimately bar us from entering the promised land. There's a legend among the Cheyenne 
of an isolated village on the edge of the forest where the adults practice a private routine. From time to time, as the legend tells it, one of them would sneak out of the village and they'd follow a path through the forest to a silver stream. And there was a log over that silver stream that had been worn out by moccasin-shod feet. And looking around to make sure no one was watching or that no one was within listening distance, hearing distance, a Cheyenne would walk out onto the log, look down into the stream to see his own reflection, and then start to talk. And in a quiet voice, he would tell the stream all that was on his heart. And when he had finished, he felt good, for he had relieved himself of many of his burdens that were troubling his heart and soul. And he returned to the village burden-free. Friends, there is a better way to satisfy the thirst of our soul for cleansing our heart of our regrets, of our rebellion, of our sin, than talking to a flowing stream. The better way is talking to the living water, Jesus Christ, who sweeps our sins away with the blood and the water that flows from his side and who refreshes our soul with new life and hope. Jesus is the rock of our salvation. Whereas Moses struck the rock twice, the rock of our salvation, Jesus Christ was struck with spit and rods and nails. A spear is thrust into his side and blood and water gush forth. And that blood and water that pours forth from Jesus' side is the fountain of eternal life. Like a flowing stream, that blood or the flood of his blood sweeps our sins away. That's what we sing in the hymn at the Lamb's High Feast. It goes like this, at the Lamb's High Feast we sing praise to our victorious King who has washed us in the tide flowing from his pierced side. Jesus promises that whoever drinks the water that I give, that person will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life, Jesus promises. You see, the Lord provides. So why do you doubt? Friends, when you're experiencing life challenges, please learn. Please learn the lesson from the history of the Israelites so that you won't repeat their faux pas. Instead, heed the rock's invitation and drink. Drink of the water from the eternal springs of God's grace. Jesus, the rock of our salvation, provides. There's no need to doubt. In one of Indiana Jones' movies, Indiana and his father are searching for the Holy Grail, the chalice used by Christ at the Last Supper. They search for the Holy Grail because it is said that whoever drinks water from that chalice will become vibrant and young and will maybe live forever. The Holy Grail is like a fountain of youth. That's a Hollywood plot, if I ever heard one, developed for the big screen. But truth be told, he or she who drinks of the cup and eats of the bread served by Jesus our Savior, believing that Jesus is the rock of our salvation, will live, will live for all eternity. 
The Lord's Supper is a meal for eternity. The grace and the mercy of God flows from the cup of blessing. And tonight, many of us will partake of that bread and that wine, and we will drink the wine from that chalice, and we will be drinking the fountain that wells up to eternal life. It's no wonder Martin Luther said in the large catechism, we must never regard the sacrament, that's the Lord's Supper, as a harmful thing from which we should flee, but as a pure, wholesome, soothing medicine which aids and quickens us in both soul and body. Let me repeat that. We must never regard the sacrament as a harmful thing from which we should flee, but as a pure, wholesome, soothing medicine which aids and quickens us in both body and soul. Yes, drink. Drink, my friends. Drink that water that the rock of salvation provides. Drink the wine, his very blood that was shed for us. Drink, for he provides us the fountain of youth. Do you hear the rock of Massa and Meribah shouting at you? The Lord provides. Why do you doubt? Do you hear the rock of your salvation inviting, come to me and drink. Drink the water that flows from me, the water that wells up to eternal life. Do you hear the Lord say, drink of it all of you. In remembrance of me, for the forgiveness of your sins. Yes, the stones of Lent, they shout and they sing, the Lord provides. Praise God, from whom all blessings flow. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.